Good morning. Um, today's daf is uh, today's shir is Le'ilu Nishma Yehuda ben Idol and for Rufuah Shleim of Matisyao Mordechai ben Esther. The um, today's daf is daf Mem Beis. I'm going to go from the fifth last line of Mem Aleph Amud Beis, forty one B. So the Gemara, it's going back on the Mishnah. Mishnah, a little bit cryptic, said that if you emptied or removed a urn, you're not allowed to put cold water into it to heat it up, but you can put in cold water to take the chill out of it. Now, there, did that mean putting cold water in an empty pot, and therefore you can't put it put in a little bit of cold water that would heat the pot, but you could put enough cold water, that, sorry, not to heat the pot. You took an empty pot off the fire, or you took a fire full of hot water, boiling water, and you poured out that. Can you add water to that pot when the water will heat up or not? Or is the question, and then, or is the question, can you have a pot of boiling water that you took off the fire and add cold water to that? Now, Rav and Shmuel, which we're going to see now, are discussing that that um, that, but f- discussing it, but from the aspect of how much cold water could you put in before you transgress mitzarev. Mitzarev is the issue of metakein mone, fixing a kli, because what they would do with metal is after they had made the kli, the metal utensil, they would put it in cold water or fill it up with cold water, and that somehow hardens it. Now that's completing the kli, that's making it harder, and uh, the final touch, and therefore you would not be allowed to do that on Shabbos. So are you allowed to, now you've got this hot kettle, hot empty kettle, you want to add cold water to it, how much cold water are you allowed to add to it where, when there is this danger of the Isra of Mitzarev? So that's Omar Rav Loishno Elela Hafshir. You're only allowed to add a little bit of water that would become lukewarm. And Valitzarev also, you would not be allowed to fill it up with cold water because that would be Litzarev. Ushmul Omar, Afilu Litzarech Nami Mutar Litzarev Lechatchil Nami Mutar. And Shmuel says, no, you can even fill it up and do Mitzarev. Now, before we explain what they're based on, the Gemara asks, How can Shmuel say you're allowed to fill up this hot metal urn with cold water to Mitzarev it? As we know, Mitzarev is Isidraisa. So, Elohi Itmar, Hachi Itmar. No, rather what must have been said was, Omar Rav, Loishanu Elashir Lahafshir, Avalshir Litzarev Osur. Rav says you're not allowed to put in the amount you're only allowed to put in the amount that it would take the chill out of the water. Again, you have a boiling metal pot. You put in a bit of water in, it's going to take the chill out of the metal. But you're not allowed to put in enough water that would mitzarev the pot. Ushmul Omar, afilu shir litzarev mutar. Shmuel holds, you're even allowed to put in the amount that would mitzarev it. So you can fill it all the way to the top with lukewarm water, with warm water to take the chill out of it. Now what the Machloikes is based on, um, it's, this is more apparent from earlier on in the Sukhya, but what the Machloikes is based on, um, is uh, the discussion of Dovor Sha'enu Miskaven. Again, you're filling up this pot to take the chill out of some cold water. You had a, you have a, Boiling hot urn with no water in, so you've got some water. Again, it's not going to, you, don't, you can't boil that, you can't heat up that water, but you want to put in enough cold water that it will take the chill out. Rav says you've got to be careful that you don't put in enough water, that it would mitzarev the pot, 
Because even though that's not your intent, your intent is just to take the chill out of the water that you're offering it up, if it is Mitzaref, you transgress it anyway. Because that's what happened. Shmuel comes along and says, no, it's a Dovah Shainam is coming. What you want to do here is take the chill out of the water. So if this Malach of Mitzaref might occur, well then why can't you do that? Why can't you fill it up all the way to the brim? And that's why Shmuel would allow it. Now the Gomorrah points out on that, the Maimur, the Shmuel Karebi Shimon Spirale, are you telling me that Shmuel holds like Rabbi Shimon? I that Dovr Sha'inu Miskaven is mutar, when that's not your primary intent, it's allowed. Shmuel says you're allowed to extinguish a metal coal in Rishus Harabim so that no one gets damaged. But not a Gacheles, a wooden coal, um, but not a wooden coal. Now, what's that based on? The metal coal, to, you, they would boil metal and you, that lasts hot for a long time. But now you've got a glowing metal uh, coal in the middle of the Rishus Arabim. It's very dangerous. So you can extinguish that. That is because it's only a Isudarabonin to extinguish metal because you're not really doing anything when you cool down the metal. But a glowing wood coal could be an Isudaraisa when you extinguish it. And that's why Shmuel says you can extinguish a metal coal to save people from potential damage. Again, not pikuach nefesh, because if it was pikuach nefesh, obviously you could do anything. But someone will, I don't know, burn their toe on uh, this coal. Or damage their clothes. Uh, yeah, I don't know about their clothes, but probably also. Um, but they'll burn their toes on this coal, so therefore you can extinguish it. But if it's a wooden coal, to extinguish it is an isudoraisa. And therefore you can't do that on Shabbos to prevent people from... Uh, Maybe burning their toes. But now, the question is, who what? Who holds it to Isidoraisa to extinguish a coal? So remember, we've touched on that before, what's called a melocha sha'ena trichelagufa. When you're doing a melocha, but not for the sake of creativity. That's how at least how Rashi learns. Um, or Tosfos, you're doing a melacha, but not for the same purpose as they did it in the Mishkan. Because generally, when in the Mishkan, they would put out a coal, and this would be the creative way of the, uh, creating something with it, is you extinguish it to create um, charcoal. Or, we saw by a wick, they would light the wick so that it's easy to catch a light the first time. So you extinguish it to make it into a wick. That's when it's a dovor. But any other time you're putting out, like here, you're putting out the coal. Why are you putting out the coal? To stop someone burning their toes? Well, that's now only a melocha she'ena tzrichelagufa. Now Shmuel here is saying you can do a derabonon, but not a doraisa. Melocha she'ena tzrichelagufa. Who's the one who holds melocha she'ena tzrichelagufa is? Also, Reb Yehuda. So in the previous sugya, we said that Shmuel is going like, Rabbi Shimon in Dovr Shainam Iskavent and telling us you're allowed to do a Dovr Shainam Iskavent. A Melocha Shainam Iskavent. Yeah, Shainam You're allowed to fill up this pot because your intent is to take the chill out of the water and or just warm up the water and not to Mitzarev the pot. But here he's passing like Rabbi Yehuda and saying something that is a Melocha Shainam Trichel Agufi is an Osodoraita. So how can he switch and change? If you thought that Rabbi Yehuda holds like Rabbi Shimon, even wood should be allowed. Because Rabbi Shimon would hold it's a Melochah Shana Trichelagufa, which is also only a Isudra Bonin. 
And if it is a Yisud Rabbanon, then, uh, then as we see, the rabbis wave the Yisud to stop the rabbim getting damaged. So, in something that is Ainomiskaven, Shmuel Paskins like Rabbi Shimon. In the concept of a Melochesh Ain Shrikhalakufa, is it also Doraisa or only Drabonan? He Paskins like Rabbi Yuda that it's also Doraisa. So, that's, uh, that's a very interesting point. So, we see that Shmuel Paskins like the different opinions. Tosos asked obvious question. You te- what, was the, what was the Gomorrah's thought? What was the thought process of the person who asked this question? Because in one halacha Shmuel Paskins like Rabbi Shimon, we expected him in every single halacha to Paskin like Rabbi Shimon? No, obviously not. You can Paskin in one halacha like one Rav, and in another halacha like another Rav, and in a third halacha like a different Rav, or back to the first Rav. There's no rule that you always have to follow the halacha of one person, always. So what was the initial thought process of this. Okay, and Tosos go into that, but that's something to think about, an important concept in Psak. Sometimes people get the, I don't know why they get that idea, but they have the conception that if you Paskin like Ramoshe Feinstein in one Shuvah, you have to Paskin like Ramoshe Feinstein in every single Halacha, or you Paskin like the Mishra Bru in one Halacha, you have to Paskin like the Mishra Bru in every Halacha. No, you have to analyze the case, the scenario, the principles behind, and the the poisek, the rab has to rule based on that uh, what makes most sense to him. Doesn't blindly follow uh, one opinion always. And then, but just on this principle we just brought out, what happens if you find a dangerous a spark or a thorn in Rishus Harabim? You move it out the way by going less than four Amos each time. Remember, if you carry less than four Amos in Rishus Harabim and you stop to rest, that's only an Isur. That's not also Doraisa, it's only to carry in public domain would be to carry four Amos. So there's this dangerous thorn, there's a spark in Rishus Harabim. You can move it out of the Rishus Harabim by carrying it less than four Amos, less than four Amos. Granted, that's Isidrabonin, you're allowed to do an Isidrabonin to save from damage. It says of a Carmelis Filutuva, if you find a dangerous item in a Carmelis, Remember, that's that. You, strictly speaking, Doraisa, you're allowed to carry in a Carmelis. The rabbis came along and said, you're not allowed to carry in a Carmelis. Um, there you would be allowed to just carry it out the way because you're only transgressing an Isidra Abonin. So, important point, you know, just that very interesting here that we, that why I brought this haloch, why, why I want to go back and bring this sugya, is this concept that to save the rabbim from damage, from harm, and not to save them from harm, from danger. You're allowed to uh, you're allowed to transgress the isudrabonon. Okay, carrying on. Um, next point. So, just to understand the next sugya, there are three points we have to uh, three concepts we have to get clear. The one is tatogavor. There's interesting discussion of if you pour it hot into cold or cold into hot, do we view the hot as cooking the cold, or do we view the cold as cooling down the hot? Now, while this is all going to become relevant is because we're going to discuss adding, if you have a clearition, oh, yeah, before we get to the clearition, so if you have a pot of boiling water and you put in a little bit of cold water, is the cold water cooling down the boiling water and then it's fine? Or is the boiling water heating up the cold water and then it's an issue of cooking on Shabbos? So there's a concept, I'm, I'm explaining the sugya all according to Rashi. Tosas have a very different approach. 
but we're not going to have time to go through it. But according to Rashi, so according to Rashi, you always say, Tata Govar, the bottom one is stronger. So we go after whatever the bottom one is. So if the bottom, generally, if the bottom one is hot and you're pouring cold into hot, we would say the bottom one heats up the cold one and it's cooking. If the bottom one is cold and you're pouring boiling water into the cold, which one wins? The cold ones, tato govar, and it wouldn't be cooking. That's the one concept, tato govar. Um, this, a second concept is kli rishon and kli shaini. We generally say, and we'll say, let's say at least by water, water only cooks in a kli rishon. What's a kli rishon? A kli rishon is the pot that was on the fire. So you boiled water in a pot or an urn, that, even if it's off the fire, as long as it's yad so let it boil, hot enough that your hand uh, pulls back from the heat, that's a kli rishon. If you pour from the water of that pot into a cup, into a mug, then that mug is a kli shaini. So that generally we say that hot water would only cook in a kli rishon. That's the second point. Um, and then a third factor that comes into play is uh, if you... Even if, let's say, you have hot water. So let's say you have a pot with a little bit of hot water in the bottom. And you take a huge kettle full of cold water and pour it into the hot water. You can't say that the hot water is going to heat the cold water. Because there's so much cold water, it will cool down the hot water. That's, so we've got to bring the quantities um, into account. Yeah. So, and, and Rashi... We're going to notice, especially in Beis Hillel, I'll, we'll read it in the Gemara right now, but Rashi is going to bring out that there's that there are these two factors of klisheni and the quantities come together. So the Gemara says, Ton Rabbonin, Noisein Odom Chamin L'toicha Tzoyinein, Veloat Tzoyinein L'toicha Chamin Divrei Beis Shammai. Beis Hillel, Beis Shammai say, you can always put hot into cold, but you can never put cold into hot. And that would be because, as we said, the bottom one wins. So if you're putting cold into hot, let's say we say that the bottom one boils. And, to, and Beishamai hold this even it's as if it's a klisheni, because you might come to do it in a klirishon. If yesterday I could pour cold water into this boiling hot water, the last Shabbos I was allowed to, and, but you didn't realize that last Shabbos was a klisheni, well then this Shabbos I'm also allowed to, even though it's a kli. So therefore, you're never allowed to pour cold into hot, but you can always pour hot into cold. Basil say you can pour cold into hot and hot into cold. Doesn't matter. But when is this? Because in the cup. But in the bath, you can only do hot into cold. And not cold into hot. What's the difference between a cup and a bath? And I'm back to you. So, two differences. One is the cup is a klisheni. So granted, you put hot water into that cup, it's a klisheni. Secondly, to drink it, you don't want it boiling, boiling. You'll burn your tongue. So you're going to add enough cold water that it's not going to be Boil, that it's not going to boil the cold water so much as the cold water will cool it down. Whereas with the ambati, that's a huge bath, which they would want boiling hot. 
It's a clear rishon, and the amount of cold water that you're going to add is only a little bit. So there those two factors are at play, which we're going to have to kind of determine which one is the main factor. Is it that it's a cliche, and that's why Basilel are allowing you to pour cold into hot, when generally, as we pointed out, cold into hot would be problematic. Again, because Tatar Gov or the bottom one wins. Or is it because it's uh, just a little, you don't want it so hot, so you're going to add a significant amount of cold water. So, Rabbi Shimon and Rabbi Shimon ben Manasseh, also Rabbi Shimon ben Manasseh says it's Osur. We're going to come back and clarify him. But Rav Nachman, Omar Rav Nachman, Halacha Rabbi Shimon ben Manasseh, Rav Nachman says the Halacha is like Rabbi Shimon ben Manasseh. Okay, now, so the Gemara now says, Sova Rav Yosef, Rav Yosef thought that a basin should have the same Halacha as an Ambati. Now, what's a basin? You take boiling hot water from the Kli Rishon, from let's say the Ambati, and you fill up this large tub to wash yourself in. Remember on Shabbos, this is going to become relevant for now, but we learned over the last few days, on Shabbos you're not allowed to wash bath or shower in hot water, but you can wash your face, hands and feet with hot water that was heated on Erev Shabbos. So this Safal, that's what you want to do. So Omalei Abai, Abai says, in Tamni Rebbe Chia Safal Einok Ambati. Abai says, no, Rebbe Chia says a Safal is not like an Ambati. Now the Gemara asks, Ulamai de Solekatayte Meikora de Safal Hareu Kambati. Rabbi Yosef had two considerations. Firstly, he thought that a Safal is like an Ambati. Just as you're not allowed to add cold water to an Ambati, you're not allowed to add... Um, cold water to a safal, a basin. And Rav Nachman said the halacha is like Rabbi Shimon ben Manasya, that it is also to use that cold water. Ella, so if you hold with those, follow those two opinions. That firstly, um, you, and a safal is like an ambati, so you can't add cold water to this hot basin. And secondly, the halacha is like Rabbi Shimon ben Manasya, that you can't pour hot water into cold. Beis Hillel came along and said, you can, and Rabbi Shimon ben Manasya said, it's also, and Rav Nachman told us that Allah is like Rabbi Shimon ben Manasya, so you can't add hot into cold. When do we ever have a scenario that you can wash yourself on Shabbos? And we know from the previous few daft that you can wash your hands, face, and feet on Shabbos. Again, why can you never wash your hands, uh, feet, and why would you never be able to wash in hot water on Shabbos? Because you can't add hot water, you can't add cold water to hot water in a basin because it's like an ambati. And you can't add hot water to cold, um, to cold water because Rabbi Yishimon ben Manasseh comes along and says it's also. So that can't be the way of understanding it. What was Rabbi Yosef thinking? So the Gemara explains, Miso Varto Rebbe Shimon What made you think Rebbe Shimon was going on the safer? Either there, Beis Hillel came along and said you can add cold water. Um, you can, sorry, you can add hot water into cold water in an ambati, and therefore Rebbe Shimon ben Nasser says you can't add cold into hot water. So, um, hot water into cold in Ambati. Rabbi Shimon Manasseh is going on the first case, I in the Kos. I base Hillel, Matirin, or base Ben Chamim, Natoik, Sainem, Ben Sainatoik, Chamim. If you base Hillel, say if you have a cup, you can add hot water to cold water in that cup, or you can add cold water to hot water in that cup. Where Rabbi Shimon Ben Manasseh, Osur, Tsoine, Natoik, Chamim, and Rabbi Shimon forbids adding 
cold into hot. I, so let's just go back to Beis Hillel. Again, we came along and we brought a price. The Beis Hillel came along and said, in a cup, you can always add water. You can add hot into cold or cold into hot in a cup. In a ambati, you can add hot into cold, but not the other way around. Comes along, Rabbi Shimon Manasseh says it's also. We initially were thinking, he's going on this last case, I that you can't, in an ambati, you can't even add hot into cold. No, that's not what he was going on. Theoretically, you can add hot into cold. What was Rabbi Shimon Manasseh, this first point of Beis Hillel? This that Beis Hillel said, you can add cold water into hot water in a cup. I So for us, very practically, you put, fill the mug up with, Water from the urn. The urn's a clearition, have a clearshani. Rabbi Shimon Rebbe say you can add cold water to that cup. And and Rabbi Shimon Manasya says you can't. Now the Gomorrah says, Lama Rabbi Shimon Manasya, the Omaka Beishamai. Are you telling me that Rabbi Shimon Manasya is going like Beishamai? And the difficulty with that is we generally don't, we don't pasca like Beishamai. So the Gomorrah answers, No, Hachi Kamar, Lainechlaku Beishamai, Beishilo, Bedovose. What? Um, Rabbi Shimon Manasseh is saying, no, you got it, you got the machlokes wrong. You said that Beis Shama and Beis Hill argue whether you can add cold water to hot water in a cup. That's not true. Beis Hill agreed to Beis Shama that you're not allowed to. Now, Omar Avuna, Braid Rabbi Yeshua, Chazin Allah. Yeah. Ravuna, Braid Rabbi Yeshua said, I saw that Rava was not careful with the Kli. I, he was not careful. He did add cold water to hot water in a cup. And this was based on another teaching of Rabbi Chia that he said you can add a flask of water to a basin of water, whether hot into cold or cold into hot. So the Gemara, um, so what are we seeing from these last two teachings? That the Halach is actually in a cliché you can add cold into hot. Everyone agrees you can add hot into cold, but you can even add cold into hot. So you can fill up your cup with water from the urn. Granted, it doesn't fit in with Rab Nachman, who paskened like Rabbi Shimon ben Manasseh. But these Rafa and Rabbi Chia are paskening with, I mean, Rabbi Chia's Bryce, so he can argue with Rabbi Shimon ben Manasseh. Um, he's saying you can add cold into hot in a cliché. Now, Omar Lai, Ravuna, Rav, and this is because. He said, Rabbi Chia said, you can take a flask of water, cold water, and put it in a safal of hot water. Remember, safal is that basin. It's a cliché. You fill it up to wash your hands, face and feet from it. You can warm a flask of water in it. So he says, so Rav Huna said, Ravashi, deal shiny awesome, the myths are clean. Maybe there it's different because it's in a kli. The cold water that you're heating up there, it's not you mixing it into the hot water that it's going to heat up. It's in a jug that you're putting in the hot water. So the kli forms a barrier. So amalei ma'ara itmar. No, actually it was taught poor. Ma'ara ram kiton shemaim letoi safel shemaim ben chamim letoi tzayin ben tzayin letoi chamim. A person can pour a kiton of water into a basin of water, whether hot into cold or cold into hot. So that would be the conclusion of the sugya. That would be the primary halacha. That you can, in a cliché, you can add cold into hot. There is another concern, and this we, you have to analyze. I don't want to go into it now, based on an earlier Mishnah. Based on our Mishnah, um, do the quantities matter? Like granted, you have a cup. So you have a cup of hot water. Even if you add that much, 
cold water, it's still not going to be, it's not going to make the cold water boiling hot. It's going to more affect the cold water and it's going to be not boiling, boiling hot. But what happens if you have a whole urn, a whole, it's a big pot. You took your urn and you filled your urn up into, uh, filled a pot of water up from your boiling urn on Shabbos. If you add a little bit of cold water, it's going to make the cold water boiling hot. Is that still allowed? And that you have to look in the Rishonim for. Just want to bring that out just so that this evening you don't fill up the pot of water and add a little bit of cold water to it. Okay, next Mishnah. Um, if you had a frying pan or an urn that you removed from the fire. Now, interesting enough, what's that? There's, before we go into this Mishnah, let's, let's say there are three categories of Kalim. Let's say four categories of Kalim. Just to get us ahead of the game. One category is you have a boiling pot on the fire. Second category is you have that boiling pot but off the fire. So you've boiled soup, boiled water, let's just say boiled water on the fire. And now you've just moved that pot to the side of the stove. It's not on the fire anymore. That's the second category. So Klirishon Sha'ala Aish and Klirishon Klirishon on the fire, Klirishon not on the fire. Then if you'd pour the water from that Klirishon into another Kli, whether a bowl or a cup or something, that's a Klishani. And then if you'd pour it from there into another Kli, that would be a Klishlishi. Okay, so if you had a frying pan or a pot that you removed from the fire, Marutrin, and it's still boiling... Lo yitain le tolta tablin, you're not allowed to put spice into it. Aval noisain hula tolta koora, but you could put spice into the koora, or the tolta tamchu into the serving bowl, into a klishani. So you have spice, you can't put it into the klishon, but you can put it into a klishani. Rabbi Hur Aimel, le kolonoisain kutsmidavashi aish bochomets vetsir. Rabbi Hur says, no, you can put spice into any dish. Except one that has vinegar sir because that makes it more susceptible to being cooked. Now we're gonna have, we're gonna ask in the Gemara the question: Is Rabbi Yehuda going on the Reisha and he's actually more lenient, or is Rabbi Yehuda going on the safer and he's actually stricter? Why is Rabbi Yehuda saying? Is, is do you read it as follows? The safer says you can put. You cannot put spices in a clear rishon, even if it's off the fire. And Rebuda comes along and says, no, you only can't do that if there's vinegar or tzir in that pot. But if there's no vinegar or tzir, you can add the water, you can add the spices to a clear rishon. Or is he going on the, the safer, which says, you can add spices to a klishani. And Rebuda is saying, but you're not allowed to add spices to a klishani with that have chaymets or tzir in it. So Toshma, the Tanya Rabbi Yehuda, Oimer, we have a price which teaches explicitly that Rabbi Yehuda says, you'll fuss in who noisen lekolak teiros roitchos, who noisen chutz midavash yeish bo chayme b'tzir. You can put into all pans and pots that are boiling, you can put spices and except unless they have chaymets v'tzir. So Rabbi Yehuda is more lenient. Now what's the halacha regarding salt? Is salt like a regular spice or not? Which would be as we came out, the Tanakama holds you cannot put spices in a klirishon, but you can put them in a klishani. Rabbi Yehuda holds you can put spices in a klirishon, again that's not on the fire, unless there's chaymets v'tzir in that. So does salt have that same law? 
So Rav Yosef thought it had the same halacha to be klirishon boshlo, be klirishani lo boshlo, that in a klirishon it cooks, but in a klirishani it does not cook. So Amalei Abayah, Abayah says, well, Tani Rebbe Chia, you missed the price of Rebbe Chia. Melach eno katavlin, to be klirishani nami boshlo. Salt is not like, a, like spices, it cooks even in a klirishani. Ah, you can add salt to, you cannot even add salt to a klirishani, very difficult. You pour hot water, you pour soup into a bowl. Now that's a klishani. And now you can't add salt to that because salt cooks even in a klishani. So Zupliga, the Rav Nachman, but he's arguing, Rav Nachman, Dom Rav Nachman, Tzricha Milcha Bishula Kabishra Datura. Rav Nachman says salt is only cooked like ox meat, can only cook when ox meat could cook. What does that mean? Again, the first category, klishan she'ala esh. He holds that um, this food, salt, is so hard to cook, it can only cook in a klirish on sha'ala esh. If you take a pot of soup off the fire and put it to the side of the fire, you can put salt in and it won't cook. Now, spices would cook in that klirish as we saw in our Mishnah, but salt won't. That's the one verse. There are those who say that Rav Yosef thought that salt is like spices, that it cooks in a klirishon, but not in a klirishani. Salt is not like spices. Rabbi Chia says, no, actually salt, in this version, everyone agrees, Rabbi Chia and Rav Nachman, that you need, salt needs cooking like ox flesh. I it only cooks on a klirishon that's on the fire. So in summary, what's the spices is clear from the Mishnah. In a klirishon, they do cook. In a klishani, they don't cook. And obviously, a klirishon that's on the fire, you cook. What about salt? So the first version we had is a machloikes rebi chia, which is a price and Rav Nachman, which is an amora. So a bit difficult that salt cooks in, the one said that salt only cooks in a klirishon sha'alaish. And the other one said that salt cooks even in a klishani, I'm very strict. And then the second version is no, Rabbi Chia and Rab Nachman agree that salt cooks in a klishon that's uh, salt cooks, sorry, salt only cooks in a klishon that's on the fire. But in a klishon that's off the fire and obviously a klishani, you could go lenient. How do we paskin? Which ikada omri do we follow? So that's a, a Tosos just very interestingly. This is in the rules of Psak. Do we follow the first one? Do we follow the second one? Do we go, if it's Doraisa, do you go strict? If it's Rabbonin, do we go lenient? He brings all different Rishonim have different ways of Psak, of Paskening. But he says, however, here everyone will agree that where we would rather learn, in the first version of Nachman, who's an Amora, argues on a Tana, which is difficult. So therefore, everyone would agree that the second version is most likely more accurate, that Rav Nachman agrees with the Tana. And therefore, the halacha is that salt, you can put salt in a klirishon. Um, comes along, um, that's what he says. However, they bring, um, and this seems to be how there are more uh, Paskins, um, that if you go strict, Toval of Brocha, if you can go strict, it's better. And that's basically how we pass when we try not put salt into a clearishon. Um, just a few interesting questions from this. Um, what about other foods? 
So we've seen salt only cooks, strictly speaking, only cooks in a kli. Rishon. That's on the fire. Spices cook even in a kli rishon, but not in a kli shani. What about other foods? So how it comes out from the poskim is basically we see that there are kaleha bishel. There are certain foods that cook even in a kli shani. Remember we learned about that fish that as soon as you just soak it in a Klishani, it cooks the fish. The fish is made edible. So there's an eggs. Eggs are very easy to cook. So even if you just put them next to the oven, that's considered cooking them. Um, so there are foods that are considered what we call kalabishal, easy to cook. And there's some foods that only cook in a klirishon. We basically say only the ones that we see from the Gomorrah clearly don't cook in a klirishon are those that you can put in a klishani. And those are basically water, oil, what were they? Spices, water, and oil. Spices, water, and oil don't cook in a kli rishon only. Uh, don't cook in a kli shani, and you can put them in a kli shani, but not in a kli rishon. Everything else, you have to go strict and assume that it would even cook in a kli shani. That's basically how we pass, and it's what's called kale abishal. Um So just now on this, la halacha, a few interesting points. Um, so there's an interesting humra that some of the Achroinim bring that this, that there's a distinction between a klirishon and a klishani is only with liquids which are more susceptible to the temperature of the wall of the kli. If that was in a klirishon, then the actual wall is hot and it will keep the heat in the food. If the actual, if it's a klishani, well then the wall of the kli is cool and it's going to cool down the food much quicker and that's why it doesn't cook in a klishani. Does that apply by solids. So there's certain achroinim who want to go strict and say it doesn't apply by solids, which would run into trouble putting salt on cholent. Granted, you've taken this cholent, let's say you've got a more thick cholent that's considered a solid, or you've got a piece of uh, meat that you took out of a clear uh, rishon and you put it on your plate. According to some, that still has the status of clear rishon. Can you put salt on it? And Rav Moshe was also asked, can you put tomato sauce on it? It will cook the tomato sauce. Okay, so it's very uh, interesting, very practical, the sugya. Um, with those, there's, Rav Moshe brings his good gowns to go lenient. Also, interestingly, with salt, that you've got to look at how the salt is manufactured. Some salt is boiled in the process. And we always say, ain bishul achar bishul. There's no cooking after cooking. So if the salt is manufactured through boiling then you could definitely put it, and not definitely, then you're most likely allowed to put it on, uh, even on solids, even in a clearishon, because it's already been cooked. So never mind, you could add that salt to a clearishon, you can even add it to a clearishon. Um, and amongst other coolers that Rav Moshe goes into, we don't, have to, we don't have time to go into it now. This is also very practical regarding um, tea or coffee. Um, and what about a clearishon? So all up to now, we've been discussing a klirishon and a klishlishi. So Rav Moshe Farnsley is quite lenient with the klishlishi. Some seem to be stricter that klishlishi has the same status as klishani. If it's water that's yadso lettuce or food that's yadso lettuce in a klishani or a klishlishi, what difference does it make? It will, anything that's kalea bishul will be cooked in it. Um, and therefore you run into trouble, it, according to those, as I say, many are lenient, but according to those, you'd run into trouble making tea on Shabbos. Because tea is cooked in a clear rishon shani, and 
is Dom also a Klishlishi. But there are others like Rav Moshe, as I said, who are more lenient and say, like, basically a Klishlishi doesn't cook. So the whole discussion is with the Rishon and Klishlani, the Klishlishi, you would have none of these questions. And that's why most people, when they're making tea, I mean, the Poskim do recommend making tea, Arab Shabbos, making tea essence. Um, but strictly speaking, a Klishlishi would, according to many other Poskim, be a viable way. Okay, there's a lot more to go into and clarify, but I think let's go on. Um, I see interesting in this parak up to here we've been discussing Shia and Chazora can you leave food on the fire from Erev Shabbos going into fire can you return food to the fire on Shabbos that's Shia and Chazora we've discussed many halachas regarding Bishel when is a Bishel when is a qualified of Bishel what's the definition of Bishel regarding the Melacha of Bishel etc and now we move on to a new topic for the rest of the parak Mutza um, I did notice um, our scroll give a nice breakdown of the many different types of muktzah, which uh, if you get a chance to look through might uh, help you with the coming up missioners, um, the coming up, coming up discussions, but uh, we'll discuss each one as we come to it. So the Mishnah starts by saying, You're not allowed to put a kli under the candle, under the lamp to catch the oil. If you put it there on Erev Shabbos, that's fine. So you've got, a, you've got an oil lamp that's got a leak in and some of the oil's dripping out. You can't put the key there on Shabbos to catch the oil. But before Shabbos, you could. But you can't get benefit from that oil because it's not set aside for Shabbos. Now, why can't you? The first question, and this uh, Rashi gives us two possibilities and this will help us understand the Gemara. Why can't you? Put a clee to catch the oil on Shabbos. Now, the one reason is because the oil is mukta. Okay, why is it mukta? So now we, now you'll see we're starting to get into a whole a lot of different categories of mukta. But why should the oil be mukta? One is it set aside for the mitzvah. It's there to burn for the Shabbos candles, which means you can't use that oil. Um, for us, it's irrelevant. She's saying the oil that leaks is not set aside for the candle. Okay, could be, could be, could be. So, so maybe. Um, um, it seems that is fairly common this. So maybe, but uh, yeah, that would be the the one reason they do bring is that it's uh, the oil is mukta because it's uh, it's either set aside for the mitzvah again the oil you primarily wanted to use for candle lighting so some of it drips out um, and then a second reason that it's mukta is to remove oil from the lamp is kipui it's extinguishing we saw this earlier on in this uh, earlier on so to take oil so the oil so on erev shabbos you kind of don't expect to be using any of that oil, and therefore it becomes mukta for Shabbos. Oh, what difference does it make that the oil is mukta? When you put, this is what's called, um, you're not allowed to move something for something that is mukta. Again, we know something that is mukta, you're not allowed to get benefit and you're not allowed to move. This is based on the principle, and this is what the Gomorrah will discuss today, is you're not even allowed to move something to get ben, you're not allowed to move something for something that is mukta. So you're not allowed to move a kli to catch this oil because the oil's mukta. 
So obviously the oil you're not allowed to move and get benefit from because it's mukta. This type of mukta is you're not even allowed to move the cleave for it. The second type of mukta that this could be that Rashi brings, uh, I found it a fascinating one, but this is what's called bitul klima hechono. Negating the cleave for what it's set aside for. Rashi says here, when you put this new bowl under the lamp to catch the oil, as soon as some of the oil drips into that lamp, it's Mukta, the lamp, you can't move the lamp. Sorry, you can't move the bowl because the bowl has this mukta oil in. So you can't move the bowl. So Rashi says it's as if you're fixing that. It's as if you're uh, cementing that bowl to the table, which is boine. It's building. Or elsewhere he says a slightly different way. It's as if you're breaking that bowl. It's soiser. Before you had this bowl you could use for Shabbos. Now that you've put it under the lamp to catch the oil, you can't use it at all. So you... Bitul klima echona. There are those two ways. It's either boine or soiser, but a very interesting one. Um, again, that's another possibility of why you would not be allowed to put a kli under this, because again, it's boine. It's, it's uh, for all intents and purposes regarding Hilcha Shabbos, it's as if you've uh, nailed this uh, bowl to the table under the oil. Okay, so with those two reasons in mind, we're first going to, according to the first way we learn, we're basically going to be focusing on the first one, that you're not allowed to move something that is not mukta, for something that is mukta. Rav Chizda said, even though you're not allowed to catch a, put a kli under the chicken to catch the egg, Rashi explains this chicken's laying eggs on a slope. So you want to put a bowl or something under the chicken to catch the egg so it doesn't roll down and break. It says you're not allowed to do that. You're allowed to turn a kli over an egg so that someone else doesn't break that egg when they like walk by and kick it or something like that. Now, interestingly enough, both the, the issue here is both of those scenarios are moving something for something that is mukta. The egg is mukta. The egg is a mukta called noilad. Something that comes into exist, existence on Shabbos is noilad. It's another type of mukta. So that egg is mukta. So if you move a kli to catch the egg, you've moved something for something that is mukta, or if you put a kli over the egg to protect it again, you've moved something that is mukta. So that's what we're going to go into understand. What's the source behind Rav Chizda? Rav Chizda says it's very usual for chickens to lay eggs in a ashba, in a rubbish heap, and it's not usual for them to lay eggs on a slope. So it's not usual that you have to put a bowl to catch the egg. Where the, to save the item is usual, is regular, Chazal allowed you to do it. But where to save the item is irregular, Chazal did not allow you to do it. What is that? How does that fit in here? To catch the egg, it's not usual that you have to catch an egg to stop it breaking. Because chickens normally lay eggs in places where they're not going to just break as they lay them. So therefore, Chazal never allowed you to save that egg in that way. But it's very usual that once the egg is laid, that someone might break it. Walk past it, knock knock it, walk over the rubbish sheep, stand on it. So that's a usual damage. So Chazal allowed you to... um, So Chazal allowed you to save the egg. So again, where it's usual for it to be in danger, you're allowed to save it. Where it's not usual for it to be in danger, 
of damage for damage and loss, you're not allowed to save it. Um, so it comes out, just in, in summary from the main points from here, it comes out that Laraba, there is an issue to move something for a muksa atom. So you can't put a key under a lamp. That would be the same thing because you're moving the, the bowl to catch the oil. You're moving the bowl for something muksa. You're also not allowed to move a bowl to catch an egg, put something under a chicken to catch an egg, because that's also moving something for something that is muktza. And those are all, that's not so usual. So it seems from here, Basil, that the oil dripping is not usual and maybe you didn't expect it. Um, however, where it's to save the item from a likely damage, I to put a bowl over an egg, you would be allowed to do that. And now we're going to go, we're going to challenge a buyer, but it's basically all on this. Is it likely or is it unlikely? Because this is Rava's whole principle was, you're right, there is the general principle of you're not allowed to move something for something that is mukta. However, where it's usual that that damage would occur, that that loss would occur, you are allowed to move something for something that is mukta to protect that loss. So that's what AC by You're telling me that where it's unusual, you're not allowed to If a barrel of tevil, so let's just assume wine or olive oil, you had a barrel of wine or olive oil, that was tevil. Remember, tevil is before you've taken Trumos Master, so you're not allowed to drink it or anything. So it's Muktzon Shabbos. If it breaks, you're allowed to put a kli under it. It says, now there, that's unusual. It says, no, we're speaking about new earthenware barrels which actually do frequently break. So again, you're right. If it was unlikely that this barrel would break, you'd use that jar a hundred times for oil and now it cracks and the oil's dripping out, you would not be allowed to put uh, something to catch that oil because it's mukta. That tevil oil is mukta. But here we're speaking about a new uh, jar and that jars often, new jars often do crack when you use them the first time or whatever and therefore it would be common and that's why you are allowed to save it you can put a clee under a candle to catch the sparks this candle sparking and you don't want it to catch the tablecloth a lot so you can put a clee there to catch it but again that's not common candles spark frequently enough that it is considered common yeah, Tosfos touch on, I don't want to go into it, but Tosfos do touch on uh, catching the oil versus catching the sparks. It might touch on what you were saying earlier, Basil. But let's go on. You're allowed to put a plate or a bowl over a candle, obviously not to extinguish the candle, but to stop the candle burning the beam above it. But now that's how often, when last did you hear of a candle burning the ceiling? No, we're speaking about a low house where candles often catch a lot. Similarly, a beam, sorry, I should have mentioned, a beam of a house is mukta. It's part of the building. It's not there to be used. So similarly, a beam that breaks, you can put a bench or a board of a bed to hold it up so it doesn't collapse. But again, that's moving something that's not mukta for something that is mukta. So he says, no, Bikshuri Chadasi David Bikka. No, it's a brand new beam, I guess, inserted for extra support. And there you have no way to know whether it's strong or not. And it's very likely that it breaks. Um, similarly, noising Kli Tachas Adelef, you can put a Kli under a leak, assuming the leak's Mutza. 
How often do things does your how often does your house leak that you need to put a key there that shouldn't be allowed? So he goes says no. Bishabbos says but bate chadosi deshchiach the Dalfi. No, he's speaking about a new house, so leaks are common. You haven't worked out where the ceiling needs to be fixed and adjusted, and therefore it's common, and therefore you would be allowed to use it. Um, so we'll leave it here for today, but just in summary, this last point of Muqsa that we've discussed, and this is how um, Rabbah understood Rab Chizda. On Shabbos, the Gemara is going to how Rab Yosef understands Rab Chizda. We won't be doing it together. Um, but that's uh, important. That's, uh, the, that's what the Gemara is going to now, but what's this type of mukta is that the, the, it's built on the principle you're not allowed to move something for something that is mukta. To protect, to save something that is mukta, you're not allowed to move something even if it's not mukta. You're not allowed to move something on behalf of something that is mukta. However, Chazal made a dispensation where the loss or the damage is common, then you would be allowed to move something on behalf of the mukta. So he said an egg, as the chicken lays the egg in the middle of the garden, there it's very likely, very usual for that egg to get damaged, so you can cover it. And so too with all the examples um, that we, all the questions we brought were trying to uh, gauge and determine when exactly is something considered common or not, or is it really a case that is common? But again, the principle is the rabbis waived this muksa, this isra of moving something on behalf of something that is muksa. They waived it when it's usually damaged and you would often, often have to save it. Then it's not considered osu anymore.